Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. I'm happy to be here for another week talking some New Hampshire high school football with you. Once again, alongside me this week is Mike Lockman, longtime football coach in New Hampshire. Uh, Mike, it's good to see you after a little a little bit of time off here. Yeah, we, we had a break, so we should be much more energetic than usual. Yeah. We're well rested. <laughs> uh, plenty to talk about, of course. Uh, before we get started, though, uh, we are recording the show once again at Riverside Barbecue in Nashua. Uh, like tonight, next week we will be uh, doing this at Tuesday around 6 o'clock or 6.30ish. Uh, you can, of course, be a part of the show by emailing us at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com, or you can come on down and listen to us live. The show is available every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. Uh, like I said, a lot to talk about. Of course, we did not meet last week uh, to talk about the end of the regular season and uh, first round of the playoffs. So here we are now going, getting ready for the semifinals um, after some interesting quarterfinals last Saturday. Um, you know, j Yeah, just what... What kind of stood out to you the most, maybe, from, from this first weekend of uh, playoff football? Well, yeah, so it's playoffs are here. It's the most wonderful time of year. Um, I love this. I love the time of year in New England, high school football playoffs in New Hampshire, awesome stuff. It finally feels like it outside. It does, it yeah, like it's pretty weather. chilly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, there were two, big, two big ones in Division One. I, I thought, were certainly um, the Winnicunit victory over Bedford. That was... Um, very tight game um and and i you know we could talk a little bit about it but i think the other one in division one that really st stuck out to me was the gosstown victory over exeter um not to say that neither of those was completely unexpected i, I don't think either of them was unexpected but they just ended up being great games that came right. down to the wire yeah. and 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 uh and and so that's what playoff football is all about yeah last second kind of wins and for both of them uh and then on the other side of division one a pair of uh semi blowouts i guess salem londonderry was closer in the second half but salem pulled away there and, and pinkerton just you know taking advantage of seven nashua south turnovers just I, I mean it was was at that one um and it really was at times just unbelievable and it, it had the feel actually and, and and south coach scott knight said this afterwards of South's regular season win to end 2016 against Dover. The only difference was I think they had five turnovers and Dover had like six turnovers. So, it, and it was one of those where they were giving the ball back and forth to each other. Yeah. And that one came down to a last second win uh, for South. Uh, this one, though, I mean, they had their opportunities. Um, you know, and everyone that's kind of talked to me about that game has said, I thought it was going to be closer. And I did too. Um, but it really just once it started unraveling it went fast it's tough to it, i mean it's tough to win a playoff game against a team like pinkerton when you turn the ball over that much i, I think any coach uh, would yeah. tell you that pinkerton but did their best to you know give yeah. south some points early on there yeah i saw uh, that too yeah. but um but it, it's painful to end like that when you know that those type of things especially where you know weather wasn't a factor you know a lot of times you can point to the weather and say well you know geez sloppy game lots of turnovers um, I'd, 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 not, I'd not be too quick to say that it was playoff nerves either because South is, a, is an experienced playoff team. You know, a lot of those guys uh, were, were in the, the first round last I year. and So it's got, that's going to be a if tough one for If them. anything, I think it was more playoff nerves for Pinkerton. I mean, they, they fumble the opening kickoff on – fumble is probably too nice a word. I mean, just not picking up the kickoff. And, yeah. you know, South starts on the, on the Pinkerton 10 
You know, there was another um, – Pinkerton had three fumbles in the first half. Uh, and then the third of which was as they were going into score would have made it 28-7. Instead, it's 21-7 with 49 seconds left. And South actually drove the field and had a chance to get a touchdown before um, the end of the half. It, it was a you know, huge swing there because Pinkerton makes a stop to keep it 21-7. They come out, get a turnover, score. South comes, gets the ball back, turns it over again. Pinkerton scores. So instead of being maybe 21 to 14, maybe even 21 21, it's all of a sudden 35 to 7. Yeah. And I mean, if it wasn't over then, South's next drive ended at Pinkerton's one. You know, uh, so yeah. it, it was, yeah. yeah, it was. It's tough too because I, I think any coach would tell you that when it does start to go that way, it can, it can roll downhill and snowball very quickly. Um, and you do everything you can to prepare your team for that you, you you know and you do everything you can to talk about it in game but depending on you know where the the, the mentality of your players are in that moment um, and that's a tough thing to manage because there's so much emotion and intensity going on in a playoff game it can get out of control very quickly um, and it sounds like that's what happened to to uh, to south is that it, it just you know bad luck begets more bad luck kind of thing uh, of course, Pinkerton has a, a much different uh, path to the playoffs now than maybe we would have guessed a week ago. Um, of course, Salem, uh, they'll be playing at Salem, who they lost to 35-21 during the regular season um, in a game where Salem really pulled away late f uh, first half into the third quarter, really on the legs of, of Josh Sabanda, who as of right now, um, as far as I know, he's not playing Saturday because he was ejected from... Salem's playoff game last week against Londonderry for for taunting oh. um, and it's I mean it's one of those ones that it's a clear clearly written out in the NHIA handbook you know that if you get you know if you're penalized for taunting in a game and get thrown out of that game you miss the next game regardless of when it is so unless I don't know if there's some kind of appeal process or you know maybe they can try to convince someone of you know well this was interpreted a different way than it should have been. The yeah. official overreacted, but that feels like a long shot to me. And I don't, I don't know Coach Pike very well, other than I, I met him one time. We played Salem in the Jamboree when I was the head coach at Sauhegan. Uh, but what he's done at Salem, I think, speaks for itself. I mean, that was a team where I don't remember whether it was just before he took over or it was his first year, but they there was one year in that time frame they, where they were winless. Yeah, they won they won the championship in 2009 and were pretty good in 2010, and then all of a sudden the bottom fell out. Right. Um, he came in as the coach, and, and his, he's really built that back Tremendous up since job. then. Um, so, m you, know, I, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for, for, for Coach Pike, but I, I could say that they don't strike me as the type of program where if they knew one of their players had done something wrong that they were going to sort of try to make that work right, be yeah. just, just, to, just to slide them into a playoff game. Um, the other thing you got to figure is that if you, you know, if you do that, does that potentially put it off and only have for him suspended right, for in the championship week, yeah. game? So, I, I, again, I can't speak for another program and the decisions they would make. I guess if that were me. I would probably let that one go if I was the head coach. I'd say, hey, you know what? He's going to learn. Right. Uh, we don't. Yeah. You know, that's not <coughs> that's not a good behavior. I mean, he's the be he's arguably the best player in the state. Yeah. I arguably. mean, one of I think two thousand yard rushers in Division One this year, and he missed three games. Um, you know, so still right. able to do that in what? Yeah. Um, six games go over a thousand yards. Yeah. Um, 
Now you there know, are other guys. Th- those other Salem's other backs. I, I always forget the other guys. There's name. The, the Maroons, the Maroon, Maroon Brothers, Josh and, and um, Adam, I believe, uh, or maybe that. Yeah, it is Adam. Yeah. Uh, there was a third one. I believe he's graduated and. Yeah. Um, but and Maroon then of course, is really good. Um, uh, Dom Packy too is is a pretty good running back for them, and then you have Matt Soldano, the quarterback, who's got legs you know, and uh, Yeah, he, yep. he can do a little bit of both. I mean, there's certainly a team that can go in and, and beat Pinkerton this week. It's just going to be a lot harder. Yeah, uh, yeah. especially because I think Pinkerton's gotten better, too. You know, I mean, Pinkerton's, um, I, despite I, the sloppiness that we may have seen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will, Saturday, say, I will say this, I, and, I, you know, it's interesting this time of year, you know, y- you say it as, you know, it's it's great foot playoff football and all that. One reason I like it from my perspective is because now I start to see more of my colleagues, you know, other reporters at games, which yeah. happens sometimes at games. You know, maybe there's one or two other people. Um, I want to say there was four or five, actually five at that game Saturday. Yeah. I'm sure there will be plenty more this weekend. And then, of course, we have a big party. Yeah, you know, we get together <laughs> yeah. and, and just complain about how miserable we are being reporters <laughs> at, at, at uh, the championship game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Based on what other people were at, or the questions they were asking, and the story, their stories that I read later, a lot of the focus was on Pinkerton's offense. And to me, in that game, I thought it was the defense that was much more impressive. The offense had, I mean, yes, there were some big plays, um, but they had short fields for most of that game. They didn't have to go on any sustained drives. Yeah, you know, they, you know, South actually stopped them a couple of times. Yep. Um, but the defensive performance to to I mean, they gave up yards, yes, but when they needed to make stops, they got turnovers, they made stops. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was the defense that I was thinking, too, that I thought I think defensively they've improved tremendously. I think the one thing that I've seen from them on offense, and I don't know whether it was in play at the South game because every game's different, your matchups are different, et cetera, but um, I saw them against Merrimack uh, in the regular season finale. And they hit a few um, explosive pass plays, which has not been their M.O. this season. No. Yes, they can throw the ball, right, but they're right. more of sort of a waggle, rollout type of team. They'll, they'll exploit the flats and some of the intermediate stuff. But they caught Merrimack's um, defensive backfield cheating on the run game a couple times and, uh, and exploited it with some really, really good passing stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that was one thing that South did well was take away the passing game. They, um, uh, Aiden Goujon was, I believe, of two passing their only completion was the halfback option from ty hicks to uh caden uh, i'm gonna mispronounce his name but balageron i believe is how he's look how it looks yeah <laughs> um you, you're you know, asking for, the wrong guy if you're looking for help there <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that was their only completion and, and when they did drop no. back to pass they had a hard time you know get, getting set and being able to look for anything uh. um so yeah that could be i mean i know Having watched the last couple of years, Pinkerton plays Salem. Salem's been able to do that pretty well, like as well take away the passing game. So yeah, could be another. But uh, you know, uh, the way that Pinkerton's running the ball now, yeah, they've got weapons. Yeah, they're very similar to Salem, really. I mean, what I saw last year from Salem, I I went to the Salem Bedford playoff game last year that Salem lost, but it was a much better game uh, than it appeared because Salem was stopped on fourth and uh, short multiple times in Bedford's red zone. And um, that was also without um, Josh. So he was injured yeah, at that yeah. point. And what I, I saw... missing someone else, too, from th- that game, I think they too. were missing yeah. both of their yeah. starting running yeah. backs. And, and the kids that they brought in, who I don't, I don't know whether those are the guys that have stepped up this year or not, but 
That I whole team so, yeah. stepped up, yeah. and they played a really, really good game against Bedford last year. They ran hard. They blocked well. So, you know, again, you wonder whether if they are without Josh, um, is that going to be a rallying thing for, you know, the leaders on that team going to pull everybody else up and yeah. say, now and we've got to step let's up. Let's get them one more game. Right. Yeah. Um, of course, <laughs> on the other side, Goffstown and Winnicott part two, um, probably one of the most – for a 9-6 game, probably one of the most entertaining uh, games of the year, I thought, just because of, you know, it was one of those um, one of those ones where during the regular season, uh, you know, Goffstown had a 6 nothing lead, it felt like forever ever against Winnicott, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, Winnicott's walking away with a win because of just some, you know, Goffstown taking a safety, um, when it kind of putting a drive together with like a minute left, it was just it was a ridiculous game, and both of them got there with ridiculous games. I mean, it looked for a while that Winnicott kind of was going to go home early. Um, you know, they trailed Bedford for most of that second half, needed a late touchdown, and then overtime to win it. And then Goffstown had to hold on uh, and stop a two-point conversion to beat Exeter by two. Right. Um, you know, just a, a wild kind of, and you know, I think it it, it kind of tells you, or maybe proves what maybe a thought a little bit about each side was that that side of the division was much closer than you know the uh southwest side yeah it seemed that way and like you alluded to those regular season games were pretty tight the the playoff rematch the the bedford winnicott rematch was you know i mean i i wasn't following it really close but i was following it and it was kind of like you almost believed that that sort of that Bedford team that had squeaked in um, with that Me, win yeah, over Central yep. the previous week, which yeah. was which was um, also a pretty good game. Um, y- you know, I was starting to wonder whether my boys out on the seacoast, who who I've been just uh, enamored with all year, were going to go down in the first round, which would have been a little bit that would have been disappointing, a little yeah. anticlimactic yeah. for what <laughs> they'd you know everything that they'd accomplished. But then you start thinking about how much more can can they do right they've they've gone through that ringer of you know the Goffstowns, the exeters um the bedfords and and passed all those tests by the skin of their teeth really they didn't blow any of those teams out they just played their the you know their 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 minds i mean they held the other three playoff teams in the in that that cluster to i think a combined 21 point they basically yeah. gave up a touchdown to each, in every right. game yeah um you know which it kind of you know to see then Bedford come back and score 33 points, you know, in a playoff game is a bit of is a bit surprising. But then you figure too, especially without Connor Robert. Okay, without Connor Robert, yep. yeah, um, you know, your season's on the line. Though you're gonna, you yep. know, you crank it up a little bit at that point. Defending you know, champs, you know, all that kind of and, stuff. And the way that it went down too was just, you know, it, you know, you look at it, they both scored in overtime. Winnicott had the ball first, scores, it's 34-27. Bedford comes back, scores. Uh, they missed or had the extra point blocked. Um, Winnicott gets called for offsides. Bedford gets another shot uh, and decides to go for two. Yeah. And um, you know another one of those huge plays. Um, you know from the defense uh, of Winnicott. But you know to go for that. Uh, I not. I'm not saying it was a bad, the wrong call. No. For Bedford, but I guess you're on the one yard line, right, or one and a half yard line at that point. Why not? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, you know, when I, I saw, I was following the tweets on that one, and I actually saw Roger Brown tweet, 
Bedford going for two, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and, and I've been there before. And I think yep. it was a game yeah. you covered back in yeah. 2011 where um, uh, at Hollis Brookline, we were playing against Bedford. Same, same, same uh, opponent. Yeah. And yeah. We, di- we went for two uh, in a situation where it was sort of been like a win or lose type of thing. And, uh, but, y- you know, you got to take into account there's a lot of different variables that go into making those decisions at the time. You know, we, we had some concerns about the effectiveness of our kicker. And, you know, that some things had gone wrong for him through the course of the game. So we were like, you know, do you put the do you put the weight of the game on, on your him, kicker yeah, yeah. or do you go to your offense, which has been um, solid all season, solid through the course of the game? Obviously, in the case here with Bedford, where they were able to put up um, uh, a lot of points against a defense that had really held them down previously. So. I, I would say that it was probably a really good decision. It just was a great decision that didn't work out for them. Right, right. Uh, and then on the other side, uh, Goffstown and Exeter was the Andrew Duval show, it sounded like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure yeah, I, I'm, I'll probably get some flack for that. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you, I mean, he's, you know, scoring uh, two touchdowns, one on a, a pick six from, I think, 60 yards out, um, which, you know, ended up being the game-winning points. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 he, he's, you were talking about uh, Josh Sabond on the other side. Uh, Andrew Duval is perhaps maybe the best defensive player yeah. in the state, I would say, and, and a really good offensive player too. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, so I'm I, I might be confused, but did I did I read? I can't remember the name of the quarterback uh, at Goffstown. It's a uh, Charlie Keith. Keith. Yes. Right. I almost yes. said King, but I know that wasn't <laughs> it. But so. I think it said that Charlie Keith had over 100 yards rushing in this game, too, if I'm thinking of the right game, um, which is an evolution for them, potentially, because well, he, he came in, he was kind of an, a converted receiver, if I remember correctly. He's been running the ball pretty well at points this year, yeah, and, it, and, and from the sound of it, it sounds like the passing game's coming along a little bit, too, yeah. which you know, should be interesting you know, on Saturday, given... When they played in the regular season, it was a muddy field, yep. kind of a not really a rainy day, but just a, a wet day. Yeah. Um, and if there's any spread offense that knows how to just pound the ball like old school, it is golf. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. may spread you out, but they know how to run the football. And then the uh, just <laughs> took a look. Uh, the 33 points that Bedford scored was by far the most that Winnicott has given up. Yeah. Um, this year, they gave up 21 to Central uh, two weeks ago in the regular season, and that was the most previous to, to that yeah um well jumping down to uh division two yeah. uh, you want to start with you know what you saw you made the uh the drive up to up to plymouth i did to watch the bobcats beat up on uh on sowhegan yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah and so classic I, I guess a classic uh division old division three matchup and kind of the same result that it usually seems to happen when yeah. Sowhegan has to go to Plymouth. I uh, was excited about it because of that, right? I yeah. had never actually seen much of the Sowhegan-Plymouth rivalry. Um, I, haven't, I hadn't seen either of those teams this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty excited to go up there and, and check out what it was all about. Um, as a, as a dyed-in-the-wool Sowhegan football fan, <laughs> I guess I need to call myself just a fan now, um, it, it was tough to watch. Be, but I, I think the bottom line is, Plymouth's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I watched, um, you know, a game where Garrett McComer, who is the, re- you know, the, the reigning Gatorade player from his junior season, um, you know, rushed for 106 yards on 15 carries against Sauhegan, and he wasn't even the star of the game. 
yeah. There were yeah. probably two other guys that overshadowed him. Uh, Nolan Farina, who was injured last season yep. um, and is a captain this year, is their left halfback. He took the opening play of the game, 65 yards for a touchdown, straight up. I mean, just a straight dive. Right, yeah. Nobody really even touched him. And he ended the game with the exact same play out of the exact same formation, <laughs> 60 yards uh. for a touchdown. Um, you know, he had 100 and 130 yards or something like that rushing. So um ton of speed from Nolan. As much as you get power from McComer, mm -hmm. you get a, a great speed combo. I'd say, but he's not, uh, McComer's not, slow either. no I mean, he's no he's got plenty of speed of he his own yeah yeah he, he's still one of the premier guys i mean there's no question about it but then he's a tremendous athlete i remember him telling me last year that um he made a bet was it a bet with somebody no i'm sorry as a sophomore you know his friends talked him into wrestling for the first time it's like hey why don't you just come out and he's, he did and he ended up like in the the starting lineup for Plymouth. Yeah, and then last you hate year, guys like that. <laughs> <laughs> he could just do year, anything and be great. I don't know if he, I don't know if he did or not, but he had mentioned at the end of football season that he, one of his friends had bet him. You know, oh, if you guys win, you got to come out and play basketball this year. Yeah, like, he was just, probably one of their yeah, best basketball probably, yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. just yes. ridiculous. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so he, as effective as he was, um, Nolan Farina had a great game. I mean, just on those two carries alone really set the I mean he set the tone right from the very first play from scrimmage with that run and then the other thing that really impressed me about Plymouth and, and I do want to talk about the Bobcats for a second because we haven't had a chance to talk much about yeah. them on the show yeah. and they may be the best team in division two um, they may not I mean we will certainly find out this weekend but um, they have a they have a skill position guy he's a wide receiver corner named Jordan Dosen mm. who is pretty good I mean he caught two touchdown passes from um, Ben Olmstead, who's their quarterback, that were really athletic catches. I mean, not just kind of like run-of-the-mill type stuff. Right. And for a team like Plymouth that sort of runs to set up pass, um, which is actually probably a little bit more wide open than they have been in the past where they run to set up I, the I run. I feel like I've heard from people <laughs> that, that they, um, they've been throwing the ball a lot more this year. They're pretty effective. By a lot it. more, I mean like yeah. maybe 12 times or, yeah. or, or 15 times. Yeah. They're pretty good at it. And and so this this young man, uh, Jordan Dosen, not only really effective as a pass receiver, um, but they put him as a defensive back on Sauhegan's Max Leonard, who's probably one of the best receivers in the division. Um, he's done a really good job this year for Sauhegan. He's a first-year player. And aside from a couple of, I think there were two really great catches that Leonard made across the middle, um, Dosen was with him step for step on almost every passing uh, play for Sauhegan. Um, Sauhegan was a little banged up. They, they, um, Dante Savo didn't play last week at the Hollis Brookline um, come from behind instant classic uh, over there. Right. Um, but... He, he was back this week, but he was a little banged up, um, and I think they, they sort of Just limited kept him. Kept him on defense. Yeah, and he yeah. played great defense. He really yeah. did. I, um, yeah, he knows how to tackle. Um, but but I think they they limited him a little bit, um, probably just, just to protect him and make sure that he didn't re-injure something. And um, Sauhegan wasn't helped by They had three turnovers, and I think um, I think to Plymouth none, so Plymouth was plus three. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So he can threw three picks, tough one of which... Yeah, tough to go up there and do that and, and win a game. Yeah, it, it really... And, and one of them was a pick six. One of them was an interception on the, like the two... The, the, so Hegan was going in, mm -hmm. so they were on the plus two and threw a, an interception to turn the ball over, right. you know. Yeah. Um, so 
Plymouth is good, and Sauhegan, um, I don't think, I think if you asked Coach Bocquet, he'd probably say we didn't play our best game either, which didn't help. Um, if Sauhegan could be proud of one thing, I would say they were down 36 nothing at the half, but they came out and they put a really, really good drive together, and that was their first touchdown drive. They got the ball to open the second half and mixed it up. Um, Kyle Archambault really sort of um, out of the backfield keyed that drive, and they put a really convincing drive together. It almost made you move in your seat and say, wow. <laughs> if, the, if the clock wasn't running. Right, I, if I, I, we weren't to run yeah, the clock, yeah. they, you know, and they could do that a few more times, we'd, yeah. be, we'd be right back in it. But, um, but it was a good game, but it really did solidify. I mean, it, it was a fun game to watch because of the big plays and things like that. But I think what really got solidified in my mind was how good Plymouth really is. You know, when you, you look at what happened around the, the division with Bo, um, you know, coming down and beating Wyndham, um, I, you know, we were kind of joking about this. Are, are we done underestimating Bo at this point? Yeah. You know, I know we, we kind of did that last year. Um, didn't talk too much about him this year. You know, and, and, and maybe I'll take this moment to, to gripe a little bit about the Division Two scheduling. Obviously, you had difficulties this year with Trinity dropping its uh, varsity program for the, you know, late in the game. You know, you had to rework the schedule. You know, Plymouth ends up dropping its game with, with John Stark. Um, you know, oh, but, I didn't but you know look at yeah, they that, were yeah. they they were on the schedule for this year. But that's one when you look at it and and, and you say who did Plymouth? Okay, they played Bo. Um, they didn't play any other playoff teams outside of that. Yep. Bo played Plymouth and John Stark. They didn't you know no other playoff teams. Hanover, I don't think played any playoff teams. Um, or um, excuse me, they played John Stark in the last game of the season. Yep. So there's a lot of teams in the north that are in the postseason that you know didn't really play anybody. Right. You don't really know. Yeah, you don't really know are. how to gauge them. Yeah, right. um, you know, you could say that you know Hollis didn't play St. Thomas. Um, you know, Sauhegan played everybody, which kind of you know, it, it almost look at that in an opposite way and say, oh, they got in despite that. You know, yep. that they they had a tougher schedule. Um, you know, so going into this weekend where you have Bo going to Hanover, I don't know what to expect out of that. I, and then yeah. Other than a good game, I, I mean, I, I think it. Think. I, I think it would be a good game. You get a figure. Nobody really expected Bo to, to beat Wyndham except except Bo. Except Bo, yeah, uh, yeah. And and that's clear, right? And especially not in the fashion that they did, going over to uh, to Wyndham and winning, you know, in the final what forty seconds. And, and to you know, they go all game completing one pass, and it's a touchdown. Right. And then on the final drive, you know, they, they complete a couple big passes, including a, a game-winning touchdown like with a, I think it was under 40 seconds to go. Yeah. Um, you know, just a remarkable kind of outcome. Um, you know, and then you look at, at St. Thomas and Plymouth. I mean, on paper, you know, maybe those are the two best teams remaining. But do you really know that? Um, I don't. I I don't know that for sure. You know, you mentioned you know Plymouth having kind of a shutdown guy there. They put him on um, Bouchard. Bouchard. Yep. What does that do to St. Thomas? I mean, because he's kind of he's the guy, the the focal point of their offense. Yeah. They're maybe you're looking at him. He always got to score on special teams. He's got to score on defense. Yeah. Then. That's a lot to ask. Yeah. I mean, maybe the difference with the way that, um, and I don't want to get you know, I get I get kind of football nerd going sometimes here, so forgive me. But you know, maybe the difference in the way that Plymouth will ma would match up against St. Thomas with Bouchard as opposed to. I thought the tremendous job they did against Max Leonard uh, from Sauhegan. Max Leonard was sort of an outside receiver. You know, that, that 
that limits the ways that you can get him the ball. You can kind of go deep to him or get some short stuff to him and, and maybe get him a, a perimeter screen or two. But with Bouchard, I think he's more of a slot running back he's type kind of, of guy. He's kind of all over the field kind of guy. Right. Yeah. So they, they probably have different ways of utilizing him. I know he's got rushing yardage this season, which I don't think Max, Max Leonard, for example, was a guy that you'd hand the ball off to. Um, but Bouchard can do about anything. He can be a huge threat in the passing game, seen that firsthand. Um, he's a guy that can run the ball. He's a special teams threat. So it, it'll be a little bit of a different game for, for Plymouth to, to match up against him and, and find what he does well and try to shut it all down. Um, he, d he presents different types of problems, I think. Okay. Again, it should be two interesting games, and, and whoever ends up in the final, um, it's going to be kind of a question mark again. We, you know, cause Are you really seeing the two best? Other than Plymouth and Bow, you know, none of these teams have, have you know, played each other. Of course, you know, we wondered the same thing last year with Plymouth being the four seed and Bo being the seventh seed getting into the, the playoffs. And, yeah, they played a good regular season game. But, I I mean, that was the best game of the day. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I mean, some will argue that Bedford beating Exeter 7 nothing in the final was yeah. a good game. By that point, I don't know. Maybe I was just burnt out. Yeah. I was uh, <laughs> from the from the Division Two game that it, yeah. it, it seemed like the better game. But, it, I mean, you had one team going down and scoring to take Bo – you know, Kent went down the field, scored to take the lead late. Plymouth came back all the way back, then scored to take the lead. And Bo even started putting a drive together, just ran out of time. So, yeah, yeah. that was um, one of the better championship games, at least especially at UNH that we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost unthinkable that Wyndham isn't in this semifinal round. I mean, again, I don't think they're, uh, they're as, as good as they've been in past years, but – even you know just just the eight seed beating the one seed uh it, it's i mean you don't see it happen I mean, obviously it hasn't happened much in football because you know there's only been an eight seed for a few years right. now but even four fours beating ones doesn't happen too often no. although it did last year too um yeah i get i mean you look at Wyndham and this is probably um, is this the second year in a row they've been beaten on their on, on their, their, home, on their turf home turf when they were undefeated yeah. yeah well they were semifinals last year yeah yeah but they I mean they've won what now like I, I would guess at 17 18 regular season games in a row and and have not made the finals yeah. in the last two years that's just and now they got they're moving up to division they're one next up, year right so should be interesting yeah for them. they'll probably do well. That would oh, be I, my don't guess. I don't yeah. doubt it. Yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah. Um, and then last, we've got the Division Three, um, which kind of mostly went to to form. What I would have guessed, um, with the exception of Stevens, who you know got blown out by Summersworth at home during the regular season, turns mm -hmm. around and returns the favor to Summersworth, thirty-three yeah. to six. Um, yeah, you know bit of a surprise there i'll tell you what i can speak firsthand from experience <laughs> it's very difficult to beat a, a, a good team and and you know stevens is a good team twice in one season there there was nothing and i'm sure if he's listening keith jones will will appreciate this there's there was nothing uh more deflating than when i found out when i was at sauhegan for example that we had drawn milford after having beaten them i think 38 to 14 or something in the regular season even with that type of win, though, they were a good team. And you, you look at that first-round draw, 
in the playoffs, and it's like you know that's going to be a really tough team to beat twice because they're good. Right. And I think this was kind of that situation where it's just it's very difficult to beat a good team twice. And um, because there's that, you know, that whole revenge mentality gets factored in and the coaches are usually pretty motivated to find what they did badly in the first game and, and correct upon it. Not major adjustments, but minor adjustments. And, uh, you know, hats off to, to Stevens for for pulling off that convincing win um, and, and getting a little bit of revenge for the earlier season loss. Yeah. No real surprise, uh, I think, in the other games, you know, Newport. Um the big win over Epping Newmarket, Monadnock doing the same to Kearsarge. So you have those two meeting in the semifinals, Newport at Monadnock uh, on Saturday. And then Campbell, I, I was actually a little surprised that that was as close of a game as it was in the first half. I think it was scoreless after the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, it was still pretty close at halftime. Campbell pulls away in the second half. I mean, because they just. That was a regular season route. They just, yeah, blew the doors off of uh, yeah. Interlakes Moultonboro during the regular season. Um, so they will host Stevens on Saturday in what might be a better game, I think, than, than maybe some people will expect. Um, you know, of course, you look at paper, and, and Campbell is by far and away the favorite. Um, you know, I kind of wrote about this in the preview last week, and I think we discussed it earlier in the season. You know, every year there's something weird that happens in Division Three. I mean, you look yeah. at the, the four, four previous seasons, and – that first year, Pelham hit was the team to beat in D3 all year long, and they lose in the first round to Bo. Bo goes on and wins it. The next year, Bo's the team that, you know, is undefeated and not giving up any points and has a long winning streak, and Campbell comes in in the semifinals and knocks them off and then knocks and off Newport on, right? and wins the final. You know, the following year, um, Newport and I, I believe it was Winnesquam were kind of like, the two teams that everybody expected to see in the finals, and Interlakes Moultonboro goes and knocks off Winnesquam in the semifinals. And then, of course, last year you had Stevens going out to Monadnock and yep. knocking them off. Uh, it just which it, was it, a huge it, surprise. So, so that's the. I mean, if I'm picking a, a team, I'm picking Campbell at this point. Yep. But would it surprise me if Stevens went in there and and upset them? Yeah, got their own revenge. Maybe, probably not. I don't know. Just yeah. because of wh how it's what's happened in the past, like uh, teams that aren't familiar with each other either. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd love to see, um, uh, you know, another one of those kind of cool Division Three stories. But uh, I don't know. There's there's a huge part of me that is really looking forward to the Campbell Manadnock matchup. Just be <laughs> just because if those it, two yeah, teams yeah. seem to have been heads and shoulders. This season, and it and it would be nice to see them test each other in a in a championship environment. But um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, neither Manadnock nor Campbell are in situations where they're overconfident, and hopefully, they realize what you've said, which is, hey, in this division, anything's it's, possible. Right, it's classic for when you, somebody when you get to come to up this and point. bite you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know. Um, the coaches are using that as a little bit of a motivator and a reminder to the kids, hey, don't go into this overconfident and just assume your ticket is punched um, because that's usually where it starts. Is, is it's, it's not so much the capability of the team, it's the attitude coming into that semifinal game. Do they think they're going to walk through it or do they know it's going to be a battle? Any final thoughts before, uh, before the games start? Well, of course, we got a few more days. but you know, Yeah, 
I'm I, I can't get to Saturday quick enough. I'm I haven't figured out where I want to go yet. Um, I think the Division Two games are probably a little too far. Little for me. <laughs> 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 I made the trek to Plymouth last week. That's probably Put good that enough. many miles on the car two weeks in a row. Yeah. Is, uh, little out of the question yeah but i'm i'll i will be at a game though it's a matter of figuring out which one and hopefully hopefully they're as good as some of the games we saw this past week yeah uh of course i'll, I'll be out at uh making the trip out to hampton for goffstown at winniconnet uh at nh-highschoolsports.com we'll also have coverage of pinkerton at salem uh stevens at campbell and newport at monadnock so you know get on online uh sign up for membership check those out uh, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, read up on uh, what happened in the uh, semifinals. He was going to be playing uh, out at UNH the following weekend. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, you've got until midnight tonight to uh, grab your 2017 com football yearbook uh, for 35% off what the regular price is. Um, you know, those are uh, for sale on the site if you go to it. Look at the top bar, football yearbooks all the way to the right. Click on that, and then you're good to go. Fill out the information. Uh, you know, pick how many you want. You can order. Uh, well, I you, I would love it if you ordered all of them, as many as you want. <laughs> to, but, hey, reserve uh, me one. Or put a copy in uh, for you. Yeah, I, yeah, I would definitely like um, one. But yeah, like I said, you've got until midnight Wednesday night um, to get a copy at a discounted price. It'll still be for sale after that. Uh, just be a little bit uh, more of a dent in your wallet if you wait. Uh, so, so don't do that. Um, oh, once again, uh, for Coach Lockman, Mike, thanks again for, uh, for joining me. Absolutely. Uh, this is Joe Marcellina. Thank you for listening.